This is Dollars and Sensibility with Tom Stone. And we're gonna talk about what you really want. And at the end of the day, how to get what you really want is to understand money. Guild Mortgage, NMLS number 3274, Tom Stone, NMLS number 257849. The information contained in these podcasts are for educational purposes only and do not necessarily express the opinions of Guild Mortgage. Okay, so welcome again to a Dollars and Sensibility podcast. And do we have a treat of all treats today? We have Jeff Bradshaw, extraordinaire, CPA. How many years, Jeff, in the business now? Oh, let's see. Since 1974, 48 years. 48 years. 48 years doing taxes and accounting. Oh, my goodness. Well, and it's been an exciting life, I assume. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, you couldn't pick a more exciting uh, vocation than uh, doing income taxes and accounting. Well, uh, so with that, here we have a podcast to just keep people riveted for the next 30 minutes. Oh, yes. But but if I, I say this, but, you know, if we say to people, what if you were to make a thousand bucks? 10,000 bucks, 50,000 bucks, just because you understand taxes a little more. You understand what to file, how to file, what to write off, what is depreciation and so forth. Honestly, I'd probably give a listen to this one. So you're okay. You look at it, I'm assuming, you know, hey, how can I help people save on their taxes? Right. I mean, that's probably, hey, hey Mr. Accountant, here's my taxes, you know, do me right. Well, my philosophy has always been to make sure that my clients get all the deductions and benefits they possibly can out of the Internal Revenue Code to minimize their taxes. That's what I like to do. I don't like to uh, help people cheat on their taxes mm -hmm. or anything like that. Well, how, how can you cheat? So what, what's an example of cheating? So I've, we've hear, We hear that, but... You just make up numbers? How do you cheat on your taxes? Well, uh, there are a lot of folks that, that don't report taxable income. I see. So under the if table. You if you have a, uh, a small business and somebody comes in and you perform a service or sell them a product and uh, it happens to be uh, $500 and they mm -hmm. pay you $500 in five Benjamins and... Mm -hmm. You don't record it in your books and you don't pay taxes on it. You're cheating. Okay. So that's the biggest one is that I got an income. It wasn't a source that was recorded or I didn't record it myself. That's cheating. But how do you get caught? I mean, well, we, we know this happens all the time. More, more often than not, you, uh, you don't get caught, but there are ways that, uh, the other side of the transaction, for example, uh, I had a, an associate that uh, uh, did taxes in, in California, and uh, he did some work for, uh, I think it was a service station, mm -hmm. and uh, they did kind of a trade. He mm -hmm. provided services for his client. Mm. And his client gave him free gasoline for mm -hmm. his car. Mm -hmm. Well, his client got audited. And uh, as part of the audit, they asked, who did your taxes? And the I guy see. told him, well, so-and-so did. And so they looked at his 
records and uh, they couldn't find anything where he had reported that income. Okay. So, okay. you know, there are ways. Sure, uh, sure. The IRS has tried to uh, minimize that by requiring uh, businesses to uh, uh, give out 1099s for uh, services that are uh that they uh, receive from somebody, mm -hmm. um, and the uh, and what's a ten ninety nine? Ten ninety nine is an information return that is sent into the Internal Revenue Service. If, uh, for example, you have an individual that does some work for you as a businessman, and you pay him more than $600 in a year, okay. you're supposed to give him a 1099 and send a 1099 into the IRS. The IRS uh, gets it into their system and they can pull it up and say, this guy supposed to have had $1,000 reported on his tax return somewhere for mm -hmm. performing a service for so-and-so. Mm -hmm. If it's not on the tax return, then the IRS sends a letter out. Mm -hmm. And it says, uh, Mr. Taxpayer, uh, uh, we have information that uh, you received a 1099 for $1,000 from so-and-so. Uh, we propose a change on your tax return because we can't see where you reported it. I see. Please respond. And then they <clears throat> say, well, I reported it on this schedule and it was in amongst a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, I reported it. And if you have uh, documentation to the effect that it has been reported, the IRS will write back and say, okay, there's no change to your return. But that's, that's the most common way that folks uh, uh, end up getting caught not reporting okay. or misreporting information. And then let's talk about how we save people money. So let's talk about these deductions. What can you deduct on a business? What is a deduction? So let's, you know, service or, or selling a product. Well, basically anything that, uh, that uh, a taxpayer spends that uh, helps him to conduct his business is deductible. So a vehicle? A vehicle, yes. Uh, vehicle expenses can be complicated. Uh, it depends on whether you have a vehicle that's used mainly for the business, entirely for the business, or just a little bit for the business. Mm -hmm. that, that determines how you report it and what way, uh, which way is the best to report. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're in a business and you have a vehicle that's going to be used in the business, <clears throat> when you first start using the vehicle in the business, in the year that you start using it, you have two options. You can do actual expenses on the vehicle, or you can take uh, keep track of the mileage and pay yourself or take a deduction for so many cents a mile. Mm -hmm. What is that per mile? Uh, it changes every year, sometimes twice a year. Uh, right now, it's 58 and a half cents a mile. Okay. And you have to keep track of it and log your miles. Yeah, you need to log your miles, and the, and the log should contain the beginning and ending 
odometer readings and what the purpose of the trip was for. Hmm. So if you're going out to see a client and it happened, your client happens to be in Wallsburg and is 20 miles over and back and you write on your log that you went to Wallsburg to see so-and-so for this uh, proposed uh, mortgage you're going to do for him and you did it on this date and this is the beginning and ending odometer reading mm -hmm. and it's in the log that's a legitimate deductible expense and is that in like car and truck expense or is that depreciation that's car and truck uh, that that's a that's vehicle expense if you uh, if you want to take actual expenses you can take uh, depreciation on your vehicle, you can take fuel, you can take repairs, you can take tires, insurance. Can you take both or is it either or? No, it's either or. And once you start doing it on that particular vehicle, one way or the other, you have to stick with that through the life of the vehicle. And then there's, again, a little leading question. If the vehicle is large enough, weight-wise, I believe you can take the whole thing in one year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, it's been on the the books in the tax code since the 1980s. They considered anything over 6,000 pounds gross vehicle weight, mm -hmm. not really a vehicle you would use personally. Mm -hmm. Of course, it, that was from folks in Washington, D.C., where they never saw a three-quarter ton truck. <laughs> Which is standard around here. Yeah, it's pretty well standard around here. And even uh, if it's a an SUV, it can be a larger one that would be uh, qualify for that. One thing that I found out with a client last year who purchased a uh, a Tesla. Mm -hmm. And a Tesla happens to have a so lot an EV, of... an EV, electric vehicle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happens to have a lot of batteries in it, yep. heavy batteries. Mm -hmm. And my client came in and told me about it. And I said, well, how much does it weigh? I didn't know. So I got on Google and I typed in uh, a Tesla sedan. What's the gross vehicle weight? 6,200 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and so a nice little car that has an electric battery in it and it was used in the business, we could write the whole thing off. Ooh, wow. In the year you you purchase it. You can buy a Tesla right off that whole sedan. Right off the whole sedan in the year of purchase. Believe not, it or not. And not pay gas anymore, too, to, to boot. That, that's that's, right, that's right true. There are other issues with those kinds of things that I won't get into. But, yeah. You mean tax-wise or otherwise? No, otherwise. Got it. Got it. So, tell me some of the – give me, like, your number one – Warning. Okay. You're getting, you're going to file your taxes. You got a new business. Uh, maybe in your years of experience, what if, what are, what's maybe the main mistake you've seen? Maybe some people do, do their own taxes and bring it to you and you have to fix it. Well, probably the, the biggest mistake a new business person makes is they don't properly prepare to start a business. Hmm. I think one of the first things they should do is first determine how they're going to operate the business, whether it's going to be as a sole proprietorship, a single member LLC, 
a multi-member LLC, a corporation, an S corporation before they even start. You have to tell us what those mean, by the way, too. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in yeah. a few minutes. But <clears throat> okay. I have uh, new clients come in and say, well, I've, I've been in business since the start of last year. And I really haven't done much with my books. Mm-hmm. And so we sit down and I ask them questions. I say, did you form an, a limited liability company to start use the for the business? Or did you incorporate or any of those things? And they say, well, I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not prepared. Yep. Yep. And you know that uh, since they said they didn't know quite what to do with the books, they haven't done anything to determine how much they actually made. And they, they're not sure what they needed. One of the reasons they don't do anything is they're not sure uh, of what's deductible and what's not right. and how to uh, handle it and everything. And so uh, the, the best thing somebody can do when they start a business, they, they should take a look at any potential legal issues they may have for a business, whether mm. they're putting so, themselves. Such as what? Well, if, if you're uh, selling widgets and, and widgets don't explode or anything like that, there's not really any potential liability from a customer and uh, you you can go ahead and and operate a business and not have any legal liability. But if you're, for example, if you're a, a general contractor and you're building a house and and uh, you're in the middle of it and it collapses and mm-hmm. and uh, it injures somebody that's on the job or somebody that is a owner or potential owner and because you didn't do things properly are you going to get sued mm-hmm. and they go after who the owns the business yeah who owns the business that's correct and if you're a sole proprietor a sole, sole proprietor means that uh, your business is part of all of your other personal uh, assets mm-hmm. and so if you have a business that that puts you in jeopardy and somebody sues you and you lose, you have the great potential of losing everything in your business, your home, your car, Hmm. any sort of assets that you got. So you, you need to, uh, you need to look at that carefully before you start the business and determine how you want to set it up. So would that be on my taxes? I know that it's kind of simple in your taxes, the 1040. It's an A, C, A, B, C, D, E, right. F schedule. If, uh, if you have a small business and you're a sole proprietor, basically you're going to have a Schedule C on your tax return. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that Schedule C, you will report all of your income. You'll report all your expenses and your profit and the profit carries over to your schedule 1040 and is added in with your other income you pay income taxes on it you also pay self-employment tax on it two taxes yes the self-employment tax is the equivalent of you're an employee 
they withhold FICA and Medicare off mm-hmm. your paycheck. But if you're self-employed, uh, if you're an employee, you pay 7.65% for FICA and Medicare and your employer matches it. Mm-hmm. If you're self-employed, you pay both sides of it. So it's mm-hmm. 15% that you end up paying. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your business is doing well and you make 200000 or say $100,000 worth of uh, income profit, your self-employment tax is probably going to be higher than your income tax. 15% of $100,000 is $15,000. If you uh, if you look at that closely, you want to determine what can I do to minimize my taxes, income tax, self-employment tax, and all that sort of thing. So uh, that that's important to uh, to at least consider before you start your business how you want to. Uh, handle your business, whether you want it to be in a single-member LLC, a multi-member LLC. And what's LLC? Let's talk about LLCs for a second. Limited liability company. To me, I see that more than not. Yes, in, in that's my, the, that's is that the a more most popular? And, and why is it most common? Well, uh, a number of years ago, you go back into the 80s, early 90s, there wasn't such a thing as a limited liability company. It was either a sole proprietorship, a partnership, or a corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a corporation provided limited liability to you as a business owner so people would incorporate and operate their business in the corporation to limit their liability. Because again, the corporation was the owner rather than you. Yes, that's correct. But operating a corporation, uh, it's quite restrictive. You Mm -hmm. have to issue stock certificates to the owners. They have to have annual meetings. They have to have a board of directors and all that sort of thing. And uh, it was kind of cumbersome. Mm -hmm. Any major decision the corporation made supposed to have a board of directors meeting to decide mm-hmm. whether they want to set up a new bank account at, at Wells Fargo Bank or not, and that sort of thing. Well, the the uh, state that came up with the idea of doing something a, lif- a little different, believe it or not, was the state of Wyoming. Well, see, look at them forward thinking. Yes, they are. They were forward thinking. And so they set up a, a new entity called a limited liability company. And uh, it, it provided limited liability to the owners so that they didn't have their personal assets hanging out there for creditors and mm-hmm. folks that uh, won lawsuits and that sort of thing. But it was a lot easier to set up. You didn't have to issue stock certificates. You didn't have to have annual meetings. You didn't have to have any of that sort of thing. Well, it caught on like wildfire, and now every state in the union has a limited liability company uh, law that you can uh, you can uh, set up. The state of Utah has it. Other states have it, and uh, basically that provides some 
some protection from creditors and lawsuits and such for your business. So they could, something happens with your vehicle or your building or, or your building house, they're going to look at everyone they can sue, right? right? And who owns that business? If it's an LLC, they could sue that LLC. Now, the, the person will then own the LLC, right? but there's a, what we call it a wall or a protection of some sort uh -huh. there, right? So they could come after the assets of the LLC. Right. And, uh, and I, I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to. Right. We have to be careful about that. You have to be careful about that. But, but if you're, if you have the LLC and you are personally negligent in running the LLC, mm. that may not protect you. I see. But if you have an employee that, uh, that works for you and he's being paid by the LLC and you're doing everything right and because your employee screws up or whatever and you get sued, uh, your personal ask assets much have a much better chance of being protected from mm. others. When would I do an S corporation? So we've talked about corporations. I call those a C corporation. Yes, like, that's correct. Then there's an S corporation. S corporation originally, it, it was it stood for, and it still does stand for in the Internal Revenue Code. Uh, the S stands for a small corporation. A small corporation. Small corporation. An S corporation, <clears throat> and basically, the, the, an S corporation is what you call a pass-through entity. Hmm. Uh, you, you don't uh, set up a, a company through the state and decide it's going to be an S corporation. An S corporation is a designation that the Internal Revenue Service gives. <clears throat> you can have a C corporation that decides it wants to be taxed as a small corporation, an S corporation. Hmm. It would file an election and then it would be taxed the, the taxing of it would be determined uh, through the S corporation requirements. And basically an S corporation, as I was saying, is a pass-through entity. It reports, uh, you have to file a separate tax return. Right. 1120S versus 1120. Yes, being small. Yes, being small, <laughs> 1120S. It reports all of the income the revenue and expenses for that S corporation. And it reports to the IRS who the owners are. If it's a corporation, it's shareholders. If mm -hmm. it's an LLC, it's members. Mm -hmm. And it reports to the IRS who is going to pay taxes on that money that mm -hmm. that S corporation makes. At the end of the year, uh, uh, an S corporation tax return is filed reporting to the IRS how much the S corporation is ma has made. And these are the members or the shareholders of that S corporation. And this is how much each one of those are going to report on their personal tax. So if there's three owners and they have each around 33%, they'll take that bottom line number times by 33% and a K-1 form. K-1 form. that And that comes from Schedule K on the S Corporation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the total earnings 
that's going to be passed through from the S corporation to the member shareholder. And then they pay that on their personal return. That's correct. And most of it is ordinarily reported on the second page of the schedule E, the first page. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with income taxes at all, if you have any rental properties, first page of the schedule E reports all of the, the rental properties, the rental properties, the income and expenses. The second page reports information from K-1s for an S corporation, a partnership, and a fiduciary tax return. And then that is Fiduciary tax return. Make sure we understand what that means. A fiduciary tax return is a tax return that's filed by the fiduciary of a uh, trust. A uh, to the person in charge, basically. Yeah, a person that's in charge. If it's a. Uh, I've stumped you. The, 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 this is awesome. I feel so smart right now. <laughs> the word escapes me. <laughs> Somebody dies and they, mm. they leave an inheritance, their estate. Their yes, estate yes, yes, has yes. to file what's called a fiduciary return as well as a trust if there is any income made by that entity during the particular tax year. It has to be reported to the IRS okay. Okay. and they have to pay taxes on it. And it's a fiduciary tax return often has K ones that are mm -hmm. that are. Uh, that's the that's the pass through part. That's, that's the, the pass, pass through part. part. Yes, that's correct. All right. So with all of that, do I file a tax return, whether it be this kind or that kind, simply for protection? Is that why I'm choosing the difference between an S corp or a C corp or an LLC? Uh, that can be uh, for the most part. Yes, but. You'll find uh, if you get deep into it and get your hands dirty and find out what is deductible on a regular corporation versus an S corporation versus a partnership return, you'll find that uh, benefits are, uh, to the most for the most part, uh, deductible on a C corporation tax return. That, but for the owners of the S corporation or a partnership, it's not necessarily deductible. You mm. can get more deductions out of a C corporation. Mm -hmm. the, the problem with a C corporation is, is once you get your money in there, uh, the, the C corporation pays income taxes on the profits. If you try to take it out, uh, as a what they call a dividend, mm -hmm. the dividend is also taxed to you. So you end up paying taxes on the same money uh -huh. twice. I see. So you have to be very careful with it. And if you want to liquidate the C corporation, there are, there are other issues with double taxation and all that kind of thing. So unless you have a much bigger business with lots of employees and you have a lot of uh, fringe benefit type things that are deductible uh, for the business and available to the employee, you probably want to avoid a C corporation. So do we lean towards the LLC? I personally do simply because most small businessmen don't want to, or don't find the time to, or don't take care of, uh, 
all of the paperwork that's required of a regular corporation electing to be an S corporation mm -hmm. as far as issuing stock certificates, having annual meetings, having mm -hmm. the boards of directors. It's just easier to set up a limited liability company and elect to be taxed as an S corporation. I know that sounds kind of mm -hmm. counterintuitive, mm -hmm. but that's the way it can be done. And that's the easiest way to do it. Okay. You can, uh, in the state of Utah, you can decide to become a, a limited liability company. You can actually go online and fill out a one page form and mm -hmm. pay the $50 that the, the state requires you to pay. And you can set up your own limited liability company. Yep. Uh, in days of yore, if you wanted to do a C corporation, you go to an attorney and they, and they'll prepare you six pages of articles of incorporation mm -hmm. and you take them into the state and they check it over and, um, issue you the same thing and charge you $50 and you are a corporation. Yeah. Uh, with a limited liability company, you don't have to do that. You really don't have to do that with a corporation anymore either. You can do it on a one page. Yeah, thing. much simpler. Yeah, it is much simpler. So give us give us some war stories. Forty something years here, you know. Give us some give us some uh, meat potatoes. Obviously, you can't tell people names and how much they make. That's confidentiality. Well, I, I have a story that uh, goes back quite a number of years. Uh, sure into the eighties. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a client that uh, sold uh, timeshares at resorts mm -hmm. and he came into me and he, uh, he was selling timeshares over in park city mm -hmm. and he had gotten a letter from the internal revenue service. And it said that he owed, 75,000 in taxes for something that happened two or three years before mm. he said, I don't have any idea what this is. Mm -hmm. And of course this was, I, I, this is dating me a lot <laughs> because we didn't have computers sitting on our desks. Okay. It was a manual system and computers were big mainframe thingies mm -hmm. that took a, a lot of space and were very expensive. Well, he was in one of the resort areas in Colorado with his wife. Mm -hmm. He was selling uh, uh, timeshares at one of the ski resort areas. And his wife decided that she was going to open a gift shop downtown and she sold all sorts of stuff that they have at tourist places. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to save uh, some money, so he decided he was going to do his own taxes. Well, yes. Great way to save. D D DIY with your taxes. Yes, yes. And he looked at that, that Schedule C, mm -hmm. and he looked down at all the deductions. You know, there was office supplies and insurance and all this kind of thing. And he got to one line, and it said depletion. Mm -hmm. And he thought about that. He, he thought to himself, well, depletion probably has to do with uh, having uh, people come in and steal things from you. You take an inventory at the end of the year and you're short by two mm -hmm. or 3,000. It's probably what people had 
put in their pockets. Depletes your yeah your stuff you got. So he estimated that he had about four thousand dollars worth of depletion, and he took it. Well, the truth of the matter is, the only time you take depletion is is if you're depleting the earth of oil or other minerals or mm, whatever. Okay. And so he sent his tax return in and the IRS got it and they decided to audit it because they looked at it and thought depletion for a gift shop. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? What are they doing? Digging to China? So they sent a letter to him. And of course, by then he had moved on mm. and they didn't have a forwarding address. So they went through it. They, they, disallowed the depletion and they disallowed every other thing that was taken on a schedule C and the little gift shop had made six or $8,000, mm-hmm. but they, uh, they disallowed uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 120, 130,000 worth of expenses. And they sent a letter wow. out and said that we've adjusted your taxes and uh, you have, X number of dollars of additional income and with figuring the additional income taxes and self-employment tax and everything else you owe plus penalties and interest, you owe $75,000. So uh, when uh, he brought it in and I I got a power of attorney and talked with the IRS and they, they said, well, we couldn't contact him. And the first contact they had was when they'd filed another tax return later, a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And then, then suddenly they had an address for him. So they sent him the notice that they owed all that money. <coughs> well, they were quite understanding. We had to recreate that Schedule C. The trouble was, is he had moved a couple of times and he'd lost all of his bank statements and everything. And so we had to go to the bank and uh, get new copies of all the, all of the uh, checks that he'd written Mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing and reconstructed it. And uh, then we uh, provided that for, to the IRS and they went back and adjusted it and he owed 12, $1,400. But that took so you were a hero. That yeah, that took over a year to take care of that issue. So in other words, IRS is saying this doesn't make sense to us. So we're just going to go worst case scenario. Yeah, and, and since I can't talk to you, you're going to get penalized. Yeah, you're going to we're going to disallow all of those expenses because you weren't there to give us documentation, and you're guilty until proven innocent. And mm-hmm. so we proved them. Innocent uh, for the most part, except for the depletion yeah. that he took. So uh, that worked out pretty well. So, if my understanding is this, let me make sure this is true. If I if I hire a CPA and accountant to file my taxes, and that CPA or accountant files that for me, and there was something incorrect on that tax return, I am the one that's liable. the The taxpayer is ultimately liable. So you can say my CPA did that. Well, if they feel like the CPA did it wrong, basically they can they can sue them, I guess. But the IRS is in go. The to IRS personal. doesn't really. They, they're care. not getting involved with that. No, see. they won't. So it's so it's important when you get that tax return done that you review it. You review it, look at it, and learn and understand it to some degree. Yes, yes. Your 
ultimately responsible for what's on the tax. People, I'm telling you, as I do mortgages for a living and they bring their taxes in, I'm like, especially self-employed, like, I don't know how much money I made. How much did I make? I tell them, like, I did? And then she says to him, you made that much? (laughs) You know, kind of a fun little conversation goes back and forth right there. Uh, But those who have an understanding of a depreciation, what is a write-off? I have an LLC because, I have an S-Corp because, or multiple ones for that matter, right? Yes. You know, different businesses, different entities, so forth and so on, different partnerships, so forth and so on. So what's your advice? So if it was kind of like just a final, you know, by the way, we've talked for 36 minutes already. Oh, my goodness. How about that, huh? That's, I was like, yeah, who do I send the bill to? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, geez, yeah, this has been, I'm, I, I love, I love talking about this stuff. I don't think everybody does. But to me, when I can figure out and learn something, that's an everyday thing that most people don't know about. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to get ahead. That's true. If I understand these things that, you know, the word mortgage, the word insurance, the word taxes, most people go, ah, oh, geez, that's a foreign language to me. I don't know much about that. I have someone do that for me. Right. And I do believe you should have someone do it for you. Yes. I absolutely believe that. You know, have someone take care of those things that know what they're talking about, but then have them explain it to you. Yes. What's your advice? Give us your kind of like well, encapsulating y- thought. You know, uh, there are some things that you do once a year. Mm-hmm. And whether it's uh, reapply for insurance or whatever, and people decide that they're going to do their own taxes, but they only do a tax return once a year mm-hmm. and they kind of have to relearn it all over again. Mm-hmm. Now that the, the uh, tax software out, out there that you can use is very helpful. The, the trouble with it is, is you sit down to do your taxes and if it's more than just a, a, W-2. Form 10, uh, w, uh, W-2 for a 1040, and that's it. If you've got a rental property or you got some other investments, you're going to be hours listening to this, mm-hmm. going over and reading this software because they this software is developed assuming that you don't know anything about it. And so they're going to ask you question after question yep. after question. And it may take you eight hours to do your tax return. Mm -hmm. You bring the same tax return into us. We do hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we can, we can kick it out in less than an hour. Mm -hmm. Of course you pay for it, Mm -hmm. but it all depends on whether it's worth your time to do all of that. And whether you have the aptitude to grasp what you're really doing, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't understand it. Even if they follow through with the software, they don't quite mm-hmm. understand what. And it's not so much that someone's smart or dumb. It's just almost it's almost like a language. Yes, it is. It's just you know, oh, I understand that, and it can be all sorts of different things. That's why there's so many different jobs. Yes. So right. it's not like oh, you're dumb, you don't know how to do taxes. It's well, like, you know, there's two kinds of people in this world. Mm-hmm. There are accountants and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and accountants understand that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you uh, if you want to uh, uh, make sure you're getting all the deductions that you're <clears throat> you're entitled to, you should look into it more deeply than just 
buying a program and sticking in some numbers and printing it out and sending it in, sending it in. If you have a business, it's a very dangerous thing to try to handle all the complicated business uh, tax aspects of a business by yourself without any help. You're, you're bound to overlook things. I agree. In fact, people, when you start your business, they, they, I get coached this way. I've coached accordingly that in your business, do what you do really well and make sure your time is done doing that. And things that you're not so good at or don't enjoy doing, hire someone else to do it. And it's even better when you say hire someone. Oh, I don't want to hire my own accountant and pay him. No, you can hire Jeff or, or a CPA to come into your taxes and do certain things, certainly your payroll. And it's, and it's a, they basically pay you a 1099, right? You know, yes. that you'd be a contract employee, which is just, you know, as I do the job, I get paid and it's a cheaper way to go than hiring someone on your own. That's true. Well, it's funny for me that I can say that we really have gone 40 minutes. I was just like, I thought it'd be like 20. That sounds funny. Someone's like, that is so boring. And I'm like, I love talking about this stuff. Cause it's like, Again, when someone says, you know, I just want to get ahead in life. Well, let's talk mortgage. Let's talk taxes. Let's talk insurance. Let's talk wills and trusts. <laughs> let's talk these things that you hear about, know about, uh, or, or, or know of, but don't know much about. Yes. It's kind of the purpose of this podcast, get people to at least understanding some of the basics and stuff. So, Jeff, thanks for joining. Uh, no problem. We'll talk again soon. It wasn't. This is Dollars and Sensibility, and I'm Tom Stone. Thank you for listening, and thanks for getting real with me. So next step is to answer your questions. Come see me, Guild Mortgage, 435-654-9979, or goapplastom.com.